The new Gabba is officially on its way. There's now an official vacancy in the Lions captaincy position and the footy is about to get at least a little more official later this week. Today on the Raw Deal, we are back home in the Cooperoo studios with plenty to talk about. Two final weeks of intra-club hitouts to look back on, a range of captaincy contenders to talk through and an eye ahead to the medium and long-term future of the club's home ground with the news about the Gabba's redevelopment finally being signed off on uh, at the end of last week. To begin with, though, Mike Whiting does join me here in the studios uh, for the first time since our trip down to Dick Johnson Racing in the Northern Gold Coast uh, last week. Mike, how good was David Noble? It was great, wasn't it? I was. Um, I shouldn't probably say this, but I don't always listen back to our episodes, you know? Um, <laughs> well, you were here I, for it the first time. But I did listen to that one back, actually. I enjoy. Yeah. I really enjoy listening to Nobles. I always enjoy spending time with Nobes and obviously seeing him so happy being in his new environment. So, yeah, it was a great, great trip down the coast. Yeah, wonderful um, trip. Last week. Do you, I mean, I, I know I'm asking you an impossible question because who could who could even begin to know? We didn't talk about this with him for obvious reasons too much, but do, do you think he, he could end up back at the club one day or do you think that's pretty unlikely? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't say never. I think it's unlikely in the near future, but who's to say what's going to happen in eight or ten years' time if he has a successful um, career in his current role, mm. might get an itch for footy, and maybe there's some turnover at the Lions. Maybe they've won three flags and Fags and Danny Daly and Greg Swan and everyone's moved on and they're looking for someone new, and maybe that pans out well for David Noble. But speaking to him last week, he's obviously very happy with the change yes, of environment. Yeah. So it's hard to see anything in the near future. So I'd lean to no, but you can never rule anything out. It's a tricky one, isn't it? As I look back on that whole saga, I remember what Lee Matthews said to us the uh, the time we sat down with him for episode one about Vossi uh, taking over the Lions and the idea that, you know, bad club, bad time. And, and it's one of the sad things that I kind of think David Noble had it within him to be a, a really good professional AFL coach. Uh, I just think he went to the wrong club at the wrong time for a whole host of reasons. And this isn't the North Melbourne podcast, so we won't delve into what those were. But um, but it, it, footy does love throwing people on the scrap heap. Yeah, it doesn't take long, does it? It's funny. Uh, so I think in different circumstances, we can't just look at wins and losses. We know footy's about so much more than that. It's about environments and yeah. improvement and all the rest of it. But I think Nobes had won five uh, five out of uh, 33 games or, or something along those lines anyway. And Chris Fagan was quick to remind everyone last week that when Dane Zorko took over as captain, mm. Chris Fagan has, uh, as coach, had won five out of his first 31 games. Yeah, uh, He yeah. was f- five wins first year and zero and nine in year two when, when Zorko took over from Dane Beams as captain. And you thought, yeah, I mean, obviously we all remember that, but if you were just to look at wins and losses, they're very similar records. I'm not trying to compare the situations, but... To your point, we do throw people under the bus pretty quick. I don't think mm. there was ever a thought at Brisbane that Fags was not going to get extended after year two. I think he got extended. I think he had a three-year deal. He got extended after year two. Yeah, yeah. Um, beyond his third year, but yeah, we are very quick. We like things instantly. That's our that's our society, um, and we like things in a hurry. Well, we are going to talk intra-club in a moment. I was there two weeks ago. You were there at the, the final intra-club last Friday. Um, uh, one more comment, though, on this before we move on from it all together, which is just that, uh, you know, those of us who are fans um, between the Premiership era and the current successful era uh, would remember just how difficult it seemed to be before Swanee came along to find a CEO for the club who knew footy, uh, who seemed to fit in really well and run the the, the ship really successfully. And so while we are in a golden period at the moment and you make hay while the sun shines, it does cross my mind that a lot of the problems that existed for the Lions before this successful run, 
inevitably the wheel turns, the Lions mm. will go through another rebuilding phase, and those problems, those inbuilt problems of being a footy club in Brisbane are likely to return with it. And so I just think, if you know, if you have somebody like David Noble with his footy now, his footy knowledge, his administrative abilities down the road, I would think if the CEO position opened up, now, I don't know a lot about boards, but I would no. <laughs> think I would think he is the first, second, and third person you call for that, you know, to talk about that. I certainly think he was pretty popular on, among Brisbane's board members. Yes. So, And who yes. knows what Brisbane's board will look like by the time that a possible vacancy opens up. This is all, you know, in the future and down mm. the line. But, yeah, you're right. Like, he... No matter who's on that board, you'd be calling him. Yes. Whether whether it's next year or whether it's in eight years' time, like the, yeah. you'd, you'd put that phone call in for sure. Yeah, hundred percent would. Speaking of the board, do you reckon we could get Andrew Wellington here to the Cooper Studios? What are you and Andrew like? You tight? We get on pretty well. I've yeah, only chatted but him he's, a couple of times. It's he's. I don't think he's a big media fan. No, no. As in, yeah, he's a very pleasant guy, and I'm sure anyone that is listening to this that's dealt with him would say the same thing. But I just don't think he likes putting himself in the in the spotlight. And it's funny when he. When he does uh, his speeches at best and fairest dinners or mm. season launches, like he's just very matter of fact. He wants to make sure he's basically got a list of people he wants to thank, and then yeah. he, and then he moves on. He just wants to do the right thing and move on and get out of the spotlight. So I don't know. Maybe our little intimate setting here might we might, might be able to him. convince him. Yeah, it might yeah. suit. Him. Well, I might ask you to put that request yeah, in because I, I don't know him well enough yet. So uh, we'll get no, you to put I'm that. I'm happy in. to do that. We'll have yeah. to pick a time that works. But yeah, I, th- I think that could be achievable. Um, there is somebody else who we are hoping to get here in the studio in the next couple of weeks. It is Jake Anson, the GM of infrastructure at the club. Now we've both chatted to him, so the yes. waits are on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's officially <laughs> happening now. I, Jake basically gave me his word that he'll be here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we had a phone chat, Jake and I, last Friday, where he gave me a bit of info. Uh, some of it, I think, I can share on the podcast a little later on when we talk about the Gabba and rebuilds there. So uh, we'll get to that shortly. Um, firstly, though, Mike, you, you did speak about Chris Fagan comparing his coaching record to David Noble's. You have just done something you do most pre-seasons. You've just recently uh, completed a video sit-down with Fags, um, talking about the season ahead and, and sort of what's happened over the summer. Uh, how long did you, you get with Fags? People might have seen the video by the time they're hearing this. I'm not sure. It's, it's about to go up. But how long did you get with him and, uh, and what was that experience like? Yeah, I got half an hour with him. We recorded that last Thursday, so it was a day before the intra-club. Um, yeah, it's something that our website, afl.com.au, tries to do with every senior coach. Now, not every single club is quite as willing as Brisbane. Oh, name them. Who turned it down? Who turned it down? <laughs> Let's wait until the season starts before I start throwing them under the bus. <laughs> okay. But, but generally, most clubs are very cooperative, and Fags certainly was, and I think we all know, anyone that's dealt with Fags knows that uh, the best time to get him is probably a few weeks before the season starts. He's, yeah. well, I wouldn't say he's relaxed at the moment, but he's in a he's in a good space. Matches haven't come around yet. Once you come up to round one, he flicks that switch into competitor mode, and and he's he's um not quite as easy to get. Uh, answers. <laughs> Didn't, well, you and I always used to joke about this when we were doing the, the podcast for Jokes the in inverted commas. Yes, well, <laughs> because like it was it was a bit of Jekyll and Hyde because you'd get Fags in after the last game of the season and, and it would be like he's your best friend. He would sit there. We'd have him booked for 15 minutes. He would sit for 45 minutes with us happily. We'd chat for 15 minutes side to side. He'd be laughing, asking questions about our life, smiling about everything. Then you'd get him the week of round one and you'd have him booked for 15 minutes and you'd get seven. Yep. <laughs> and then they would be, it'd be a very icy seven and you could, he'd be staring down at the table the whole time yeah. and you could just see it, honestly it felt like I was in a relationship and I couldn't tell if 
my partner liked me or not. Yeah. It was like <laughs> five minutes ago, we're getting on amazingly. Now you don't like us at all. It was, it's such a, you can see how, I mean, I'm, I want to use the word, it is kind of like a competitive anxiety that hits yeah. him as the season gets closer. You can, you can see um, what the players talk about when they, they mention seeing him walk around in season, just consumed by his thoughts. Yeah, he is. So this was a good time to get him. We're still yeah. a couple of weeks away from round one and we were still a, a week away from playing any opposition. So I had half an hour with him. Um, got a couple of stories out of it. Now, we're recording this late on Monday afternoon. Mm. I'm hoping that a, a story goes up on Tuesday morning and then potentially another one Wednesday or Thursday morning with videos to accompany them. But broadly speaking, the the main piece I got out of it, uh, as well as a, a bit more information on the potential Cam Rayner move to halfback that, oh, I, yeah. that I ran last Thursday, the minute I got out of that interview, I thought yep. I better run this before they play the final intra-club game mm. just to get it on the radar a bit more. Um, although I know it's been flagged in various spots, but I thought that might get it a little bit more national attention. Uh, it, the broader piece I've written is the amount of change that's happened at Brisbane since that preliminary final loss. And when I sat down and prepared for the interview and then asked Chris the questions and, and thought about it some more, I thought, you know what, that was a preliminary final performance equally as well as what Brisbane has done in Chris Fagan's era. Mm. Um, but there's been so many changes since then. They obviously identify that they're, quite a way off Geelong and quite a way off winning a premiership despite making it to the to the second last weekend of the season and we went through the assistant coach um, shuffle I suppose um, change of roles there the new players that have come in obviously uh, a little bit more about what they learnt from playing Geelong which I'll I'll just leave it at that and you can read that in the article and tease. watch the video yeah yeah just what they learnt from the cats and, and obviously the massive decision to change official club podcasts um, huge. which came out of the Geelong game that did that, I know yeah, we, it was I imagine there's a good five was, minutes on that it was a bit awkward for him yeah. talking about that <laughs> I, I know <laughs> when I was sitting there because that was one of the big things to come out of the footy review over the summer was just was. the sense that they might have needed a new podcast and here's something else I yeah. don't want to steal their thunder but that the club podcast is in the works with the players so it's yeah i I think it's around the corner obviously the season's upon us you can't be too far away but well here's the question i've been trying to figure this out because you and i know who the two hosts are and i i I, we want to keep the club on side which is why we're not going to say for the club to disclose but the question i need to ask you mike is are they are we like in a universe where we're like working together or are they our enemy show are they a rival show because we need to figure out the dynamic we've got with the new official club podcast that's a good question like I want to get more listens than them. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. Like, there's an element. I want our family, mate. This is our raw deal family. Well, I mean, you and I also, though. We're 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 media people. Like, they're already better than us on the field. (laughs) If they're better than us at least, nothing else going for me. I mean, we we might have to wrap the whole thing up in that (laughs) case. But it it does it from from the people we know who are hosting it. It's going to be very different vibe to what we're doing here. I would think. Yeah, it will be. So I look forward to hearing. I know, like. I know I've said this before. Yeah. I genuinely think it's going to be good for everyone, though. Yeah. That's the truth. I just feel like the more content, the better. Yeah. Like, I know the teams I follow in international sports overseas, the more content I can get, the better. That's true. Different avenues, different whatever. I mean, we're the best, yeah. but <laughs> but there's but there's different avenues. So, I mean, if well, you want to- name me another podcast that comes to you from a basement in Cooper. <laughs> they just, I don't know if there's another one out there. And I mean, we might actually be, are, are any other podcasts in the world coming from a basement? I can't think of any maybe very successful podcasts. Podcasts that come out of the basement. So I think that's a really good, unique drawing point we've got. That's us. 
Um, well, I look forward to watching that video. I, well, while we were sitting here just about to record, Mike was watching sort of a draft edit of it on mm. his phone, and I was hearing little bits and pieces and wanted to poke my head over your shoulder and go, can I just get a, an exclusive preview of that? But oh, it, was, it, was, it was just looking at Chris <laughs> Fagan talking. It was nothing. To, well, you know, but it does- And some great overlay from our- <laughs> from our fantastic editors in Melbourne who did a fantastic job on that video. Yeah, well, I very much look forward to watching that. I'm sure all Lions fans will as well. Uh, look, let's talk intra-club for a while. We've got a, a bit else to get through today. Gabba redevelopment, as I mentioned, some captaincy chat now that that's officially vacant. Uh, some of your feedback as well. Uh, and also, uh, I have some ideas, Mike. Goal celebration song was chosen by the players, I believe, last yeah. week at the uh, photo day. I, I think it might be too late. They've already got their, their picks locked in, but I have some suggestions. God, this is players. right in your wheelhouse. No, it really is. <laughs> have you noticed, have, if you've listened to this podcast before much, have you noticed that I keep coming back to the goal celebration yeah. thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's a real point of interest for me. And I'm, I know some people might be saying, can you get on to talking about structures and defensive running and yeah. stop wasting your time with goal celebration songs? And the answer is no, I will <laughs> not do that. I care about this too much. But before we get to that, let, let's talk intra-club. Um, I'll share some of my thoughts from the intra-club I went to now, uh, I guess, a week and a half ago, uh, the second last one out at Springfield. And then I'll get you to, to share what you noticed different to this maybe at the most recent one. But the the main insights I think I had on that particular day was probably Darrow Joyce playing in the senior team. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about key defenders with you uh, in a moment because I think um, all the intra-club's done and obviously no Marcus Adams, but also uh, to this point, no Ryan Lester or Darcy Gardner as well. So it's getting a little bit touchy um, on that particular one. Uh, also, I think um, the, the one of the interesting things to me was seeing Connor McKenna and Darcy Wilmot still spending the whole day in the senior team. So I don't know if they're both round one, like going to play round one or if they're fighting for the same spot, but that's an interesting one for me. Uh, Cam Rayner still playing off halfback was very interesting. Um, and I know there's been a lot more talk about that since then, mm. including the article you wrote. We'll get to that shortly. And then I did, um, I did tease this last week that, uh, I was standing right near the interchange bench at Springfield, sort of watching out over there when Lee Matthews and I think his wife and a couple of others walked past behind me as Will Ashcroft had a beautiful moment. And I just heard Lee go, oh, he has no right to be that good. <laughs> and it was one of the most, I remember thinking that there wouldn't be many times that Lee Matthews is like making a, you know, a, yeah. sort of being shocked by a young player. He's a pretty pragmatic guy, but he was genuinely, he, I could hear his excitement in the voice watching Will play. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of think even with all this hype about Will, I kind of think when round one comes around, there's going to, it's going to be probably one of the two or three big talking points in the footy media after round one is just the level he's at already because it's pretty stunning. Yeah. I, you know that I'm much more conservative by nature. Yeah. Even the fact that after Will was drafted or maybe it was just before he was drafted, we were just theorizing, would he play round one? And I yes. was very sort of like, just hold, just hold on a sec. Let, let's see how he goes against man. Like I wasn't, doubting his ability obviously but I just wanted to not anoint him straight away I wanted to see it with my own eyes against and we'd seen it against men in the VFL but I just wanted to see it up close myself mm. but man it is so hard to not get excited oh. like I saw him on Friday and I'm trying to sort of pull the reins back on the hype train a bit but um, he was outstanding on Friday awesome. night yeah. again uh, he now it was interesting that they decided to use him on a wing the entire first half. Didn't go to a centre bounce. Didn't go to a contest. Um, was on a wing. Kicked the game's first goal from a forty-five metre set shot, which again just clever. He ran to space. He took an uncontested mark and kicked the goal. But second half they let him loose, put him on ball the whole half, and just just went crazy. And 
like I'm not again we've got to preface it every time they're playing against each other yeah. so they're not going to try and hurt each other there's going to be a level of um, you know protection when they go into contests but the other midfield included on Friday night the the B midfield for lack of a better term was Jared Berry Jared Lyons uh, Reese Matheson first half I think Reese switched for the second half um, Dev Roberts like there was some good mm. hardened midfielders that Will Ashcroft was coming up against and he was pr- probably the best player of the second half when he yeah. went on ball and wow. he's just so clean decision making so good does um, my Norm Smith prediction look less outlandish by the week I still laugh <laughs> but <laughs> I can't wait to find that back if it happened I mean yeah, look he's, yeah. he's, we're, we're coming off and this is what's going to be probably an interesting talking point um, the the Nick Dacos season last year is probably to to recent memory the best debut season we've seen in a very long time, um, and I, I think we we might be having this conversation all year. Who's having a better debut season, Ashcroft this year or Dacos yeah, last it'll year? It'll be interesting. I think Brisbane are going to now Dacos played half back the entire season. I think Will Ashcroft's going to be thrown around a lot more. Yeah, I know. Um, speaking to Chris Fagan last week, part of that interview. Um, I asked him about Will's role this year and he basically said we, we want to educate him in a number of positions, wing, mm-hmm. half forward, on ball. He can't play on ball the whole time. It, it just doesn't add up at the moment because Lockie Neal does – most of his time is spent on ball. If you've got Will Ashcroft doing the same thing, it doesn't leave many minutes elsewhere. Also, he just needs to be educated on other roles to play, wing, half it, – it's it's a terrific opportunity in his first couple of years to throw him around a bit and not have him bashed by 25 and 26, 27, 28-year-olds. I know I just said he can compete against them, but that's really difficult for any 18-year-old walking yeah. into their first season. So um, I think we'll see him thrown around a bit now, how that impacts his numbers and his statistical output every week. That's yet to be seen, but I think – Brisbane's got a pretty special player on its hands. Yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, another point I will make from the intra club I saw was Tom Fullerton playing in defence all day. Uh, he was actually matching up on Hippie um, for that whole intra club, and I think kept Hippie to just one goal. I think Joe might have got four, Charlie might have got four or five. Hippie just got the one, and, and Fullerton had that matchup. So uh, I thought that was a really strong performance by by Tom. Actually, um, Hippie's probably almost the ideal kind of forward for him to match up on as a defender in terms of the more athletic and rangy mm. type than the the big bodied type. But um, it's a serious question now because I mentioned it earlier. But at, at this stage, the Lions' key defensive stocks do look slim. Um, the day I was there, as I mentioned, Dara Joyce was playing in the firsts as a, a key defender. I don't think uh, Darrow Joyce was brought to the club with the idea that he would be straight into the senior 22 for, a, a, you know, once round one rolls around. And we're obviously still a month away from that. But it is getting interesting now. As I mentioned, Darcy Gardner still not back. Getting closer, we're here. But, but you know, with Darcy, it's always, uh, you know, he, he, his body feels like it's always doing its best mm. to hold together, Dizzy. Um, Ryan Lester, who's been the stopgap in defence in that position for a while, he's not playing at the moment. Um, and so we're waiting to see what happens with, with Froggy as well. And obviously Marcus is gone for the, the indefinite future. We're, we're currently still sitting with that information. So here's my question. If, if we didn't have, and I think the plan is that Darcy and, and Froggy will both be fit by round one, but if they weren't, just playing this hypothetical with me, and it's round one, who lines up in key defense alongside Harris Andrews and Jack Payne? Is it Dara Joyce or is it, is it Tom Fullerton for you or is it somebody else? It's pro- I mean, I haven't seen much of Darrow Joyce, to be fair. He didn't play on Friday night. He was a bit ill last week. Okay. Um, 
So they kept him out of that match because he'd been ill during the week. So I didn't, I haven't got to watch a lot of him play against Brisbane's best forwards. So my inkling would be him though. Mm. I think that um, he's a bit more of a dour defender, a little bit more of a uh, Darcy Gardner style of defender, I suppose. Um, not to discredit Dizzy's ability with the ball, <laughs> but yeah, I, that's the way I would lean. I, Tom Fulton did play in defence on the weekend. He was okay. I wasn't blown away though and they did play best forwards best backs for the first sure. half at least so I wasn't blown away um, by Tommy Fuller not to say that he couldn't do the job but I'd lean towards Dara Joyce what I do find interesting just on Gardner he's they're hopeful he'll be back probably not this week but lo likely the next week against uh, the match against Geelong hopefully yep. he'll be available then now whether he is thrown straight in to play the Cats I'm not sure I guess we'll have to we'll find out in the next week or two He's obviously coming back from uh, shoulder surgery in the off-season. Froggy Lester bumped into Froggy on Friday, and he said he'll probably be available about round one back from a hamstring injury. So he's unlikely to be available then and be picked straight into the senior team to play against Port Adelaide. So th there is a little bit of a, an issue there. Well, I, did, I did think it was interesting that we've seen uh, Brandon Stasevich probably used as a bit of a third tall yeah, on the weekend, yeah. uh, on Friday night, sorry almost by necessity, just because of lack of height. Would they consider playing Brandon Stasevich as a... I wouldn't do this, by the way, but I'm just throwing it out there. Would they consider using Brandon Stasevich as a third tall? He can probably play taller. Mm. And then you've still got all those running halfbacks and potentially Cam Rayner. Again, I, I'm still not sold on Cam Rayner, although what I thought initially was just a crazy bit of education for him, I'm, I'm not quite that far to yeah. that side. Well, you said this two weeks ago that yeah. if he was still playing in defence by the last intra-club that you'd start taking a bit more seriously. And I have. And yeah. I, and again, he wasn't amazing on Friday. I thought he was good, but I could see the characteristics that, that Chris Fagan and the coaching staff like. He's aggressive. Mm. Um, I think Chris Fag said that he's got this sort of mateship, camaraderie, teammate sort of thing that sort of works in defence. And it sounds like a bit of a vibe, a bit of a feeling, doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah. I, I actually can see it. He is that type of galvanizing guy, and I can see how he would, how that would fit into a defensive mindset. I, I just, I'm just not, I'm still not convinced on it though, and I, and I, I'm not sure that they are either. Mm. We'll learn a bit him playing actual opposition <laughs> on Friday and then the following week. I still think he'll probably end up playing forward, but. But if they're, those key defenders are, if there is still a question mark over them, could Stasovic play as a third tall and yeah. Cam Rayner? They're just options, I think. Not yeah. ones that I'd go with, but... Yeah, it's an interesting know. one, isn't it? I mean, I booked my tickets this morning for round one, Port Adelaide. As I mentioned, I'll be down there and uh, booked my, my tickets, taking um, going with my dad and my brother and uh, his daughter, my little niece, Maddie. It'll be for her first AFL game. So I, I hope she can be entertained because I'm not going to be the best company um, throughout that game for, for little Maddie while I'll be watching the footy. But but I am, I'm starting to feel a little bit of nerves because Port Adelaide do have a pretty um, talented tall forward line when they're all fit they and firing. And I just think, I, I don't know, this this strikes me as uh, potentially the one um, chink in the armour that Brisbane has at the moment is Jack Payne's had an interrupted preseason with getting his tonsils and out. And just qu quickly on Jack Payne before yeah. we move off intra-clubs, uh, looked incredible on Friday he night. He did? Okay. Looked great. Now, the one caveat to that is that he played on the B team, I suppose. So, no, so how do I, how do I word this? Mm. He wasn't playing against Brisbane's best forwards. Okay. Right. It was his first intra-club hit out, so they did play him against the, the B forwards. So... No discredit to those guys, but it, he wasn't 
you know, up against, um, you know, uh, Hipwood, Danaher, well, I, I et cetera, do, et cetera. I do think Jack Payne is set for a breakout season. I feel like I've been telling you this he for mar- years. He marked everything on Friday night. He must have taken six yeah. or eight intercept marks and just clean, clean hands. I've been saying to you for years that his tonsils were holding him back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's been my theory for so long watching Jack Payne play that if you got those tonsils out, he'd be a totally different player. And I think now that they're gone, we're going to see him go to another level, um, Jack Payne as well. Uh, well, look, that's probably all the, the major talking points. I also want to give a, a bit of a mention to Andrew Child, who is one of our um, patrons on Patreon, who did come up to have a chat with me at the Intracob I was there at. And uh, we had a bit of a chat. I think he works somewhere with loans and finance. I, that whole It's a whole different world to me, but I... Uh, Every time I meet someone like that, I kind of think I should sit down with you for half an hour and you can tell me what I'm meant to do with finances because I really don't know. But Never it, do I. But it is, it's, <laughs> it is one of those lovely things, I think, when you, when you you know, with this podcast now getting to meet some of the people who've joined our Patreon community. And um, and we've got a Facebook group that's over 50 now. I think we've been a bit blown yeah. away by the, the Patreon support. So our thank you very mate. much to, yeah. to all of those people. We'll get a couple of the Patreon questions on a little later in the episode. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention from the intra clubs that you've seen either week just gone? or on the whole? No, I think the other, I, I, I like Jack Payne. The Cam Rayner thing's becoming a little bit more real. Yep. Hugh McCluggage, outstanding. Will Ashcroft, out, like usual suspects. What I, about? I think, outstanding. Josh Dunkley. Yeah. I did like, I do have a couple more points, just very okay. quickly. Josh Dunkley did look good when he went forward. Um, I mean, obviously, he's, he's going to spend most of his time in the midfield, but when he rested forward, he actually looked like a difficult matchup. He's a bit taller than I thought. I knew he was a big midfielder, but... Mm. Um, he looked like he can take a mark and he did take a couple. And the other one, now this is the this is another problem. It's a good problem area for Brisbane though, is that wing spot. And I don't think they're sold on it yet. That's why um, you talked about Connor McKenna and Darcy Wilmot playing yeah. in the A-team. That happened again on Friday night. I really, really liked Darcy Wilmot on the wing. Okay, I'm actually, uh, like I haven't had to pick a best 22 yet. That'll have to come soon, but I, I, I'm just about inking him in to, that, to a wing spot there. I was... Really excited by what he could do. He ran well. He ran hard defensively with the ball. We know what he can do. Mm. Um, yeah, loved watching him play on a wing. So I, I, I'm be pretty comfortable if he started there in round one. I do remember in that Richmond final, there was a moment in his debut game. It was first or second quarter, and a Richmond player miss kicks the ball. Darcy's running with his his Richmond opponent. And he turns around and sees that there's like a loose ball. And in that moment as a debut player, you would think there's a fair chance that you would maybe be frozen by panic a little bit Mm. and think, do I run with my player? What do I do here? If I miss this and it gets over my head, my player is going to kick the goal. But Darcy backs himself. He runs and gets the ball, dodges around somebody else, and I think might kick it straight to – or somehow the ball gets to Cal who kicks a goal after that. And I remember thinking in that moment, like this is someone who's got the confidence to play in a very like like a wing position, who has that knowledge of when to go and when not mm. to, of when to hold his width and when to come in. Um, so so that does excite me that possibility. Yeah. So that's uh, that's one for me. It answered a question. Yeah. Again, we have to see how they go in the next couple of weeks, but that answered a question for me on Friday night. That was sort of the main takeaways for me. So I, I want to ask you this question because a friend of mine, um, I won't dob him in by name, he might not want this association, but a friend of mine is uh, big on the forums, on the big footies and the like right. of those. And he did message me saying, uh, you got to on the raw deal this week, uh, talk about the form of the intra-clubs because apparently I've heard, I haven't checked this for myself, but I've heard that there were some melts on the forums, uh, people who were concerned about the form of the team in the intra <laughs> which is, a, it's, I guess it's a hard thing to say when you're playing yourself. He's taking the, you know what, here, isn't he? Well, I don't know. I've not checked the forums. Surely. What did you think of the form of the intra-clubs? <laughs> oh, man, I, can't, I can't even keep a straight face with that. 
Do you have any comment on I, the form I've actually of the seen, you saw? understandably, a lot of people on social media that I've seen on the weekend yeah. taking the mickey out of the journalists for reading too much into the intra-club form. Yeah, so, okay. And I, <laughs> I can wear that one. Like, we yeah. do get a bit excited about how the clubs we're covering go against themselves, don't yeah, we? Yeah. <laughs> I did say that. They know this. Everyone on the field knows the same game plan. Everyone yeah. knows it, everyone's tendencies. <laughs> well, I guess maybe. Uh, but it's, 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 the, it's the time for hope, Dom. It's yeah. optimism. It's hope. No one's lost yet. You know, yeah. there's a handful of injuries, but no major problems there. Like you've, everyone, we've got this massive build up to round one, this huge runway where we're not sure about spots in teams and how teams are going to fare and, can they push for a premiership? Can they push for a top eight? Can they push out of the bottom four? Whatever. There's just hope for everyone. So that's, I think, let's not let's not bag us journos for that. Yeah. You get bagged if you're right negative. You get bagged if you're right positive. It's yeah. people just like to whinge. So yeah. Well, look, it's it's going to be interesting. I guess maybe without knowing if this was which of the if this is a Reddit or a Bigfooty or whatever the Facebook groups. There's a whole bunch of different lines spot uh, talking spots out there. But whether maybe there was a sense that um, some people are hoping to see a different game plan, and I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't say that I think I know footy well enough to identify whether or not I saw a different game plan at the two inch clubs I went to. Um, it's kind of I don't know. It's one of those those difficult things where I, I wonder how much of this talk about tweaking game plans is done in hindsight. Um, so everyone goes, oh, Geelong pulled all the right levers. And I would yeah. think if you spoke to Chris Scott, he might go, he may well honestly say to you, well, some of it was just luck. Yeah. Like, I don't really know if we changed anything. Actually, we just behind. found out that Brad Close and Grian Myers were unbelievable runners yeah, and they could yes. push further up the ground and yeah. blitz, blitz arves we know can play anywhere. <laughs> well, I heard, I, heard, um, I heard Chris Scott uh, in one of the interviews before the grand final say they were playing largely the same game plan that got them smashed by the demons in the previous prelim. Yeah. And that was one that ended up with them comfortably in the grand final. So I, I think this is the funny thing about game plans is we have all this tactical talk and I do find it, I think it's a really interesting conversation, but I, I don't think it's as, um, I don't think it's as fine margins as, you know, in, in terms of you just tweak that player to be a bit more defensive. I don't know yeah. if that is the difference between a six goal loss and a six goal win. Yeah, exactly. There is, I'm sure, of course there's tinkering. Yes. Footy changes you know, if you speak to coaches, I'll say it changes every six or eight weeks. There's things being tinkered or every four to six weeks. Things mm. are getting tinkered. Players positionally are changing. They'll decide whether they want where they want a spare player, whether it's in defense or at the stop it. There's there of course there's that's the art of coaching, I suppose. But yeah. it's generally upskilling your players. <laughs> yes. And actually, as Fags did say last week, he I asked him about um defense, collectively team mm. defense, and he said they have trained it more and a lot of it's attitudinal yeah, yeah and i tend to think that's right if you want to defend if your midfielders want to defend and your forwards want to defend mm. it's going to make your game plan look a hell of a lot better isn't it yeah yep. if that's your in, if that's your instinct and your des desire um to push harder to defend well that's going to make you look at well, like a much better strategist than you may otherwise look. Here, one story we'll share before we move on from this, because uh, it's one of my favourite stories about someone I used to work with in radio who was a Richmond fan who lived in Melbourne. And he sheepily confessed to me after their 2017 flag that he was in Melbourne and went to a Richmond intra-club in the 2017 preseason and left and headed off to one of the Richmond Facebook groups to say Hardwick's done. 
He said that he said he stood there that day at Punt Road and thought the game plan hasn't changed at all. We have all these glaring deficiencies we've had for years. No one's addressed them. And he sat there and thought Hardwick's done. It's a joke. He wasn't gone last season. And he said as he sat there in the stands watching uh, Dimmer and Cotchard hold up the Premiership Cup that year, he felt a little bit embarrassed <laughs> about it. I think he might have gone back through Facebook to delete that post <laughs> before anyone found it. Um, so it is, I don't know. It's it's one of those funny things. You've got to be very careful in preseason of reading into things, and that maybe leads us well into pre viewing the next couple of weeks against the Swans and the Cats. Because if there's one guarantee, it's that whatever happens, we're going to be reading too much into the next oh, two of games. Course. Of course. If Brisbane, we- if Brisbane beat Sydney and Geelong comfortably – then I think us probably, um, we're not we're not um, immune to this. And a whole lot of other people are going to be saying, big year coming for Brisbane. Premiership favourites. Premiership favourites. All the signs were there. See, likewise, if we lose to Sydney and Geelong, even if we lose by quite a bit, it's probably especially if we lose by quite a bit, there's going to be a lot of fear and panic heading into round one. Yeah. And it's oh, quite- God, they've got Port Adelaide <laughs> first know. round, Melbourne round two. <laughs> Who's round three? It's a really difficult first month yeah. for Brisbane, actually. <laughs> well, it is It is a tricky one, but it, it does make me laugh. Um, is round three Collingwood? Is that Easter? Or is Might that round, round four? four, I think. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's one of those really funny things where I think some footy fans like myself who care too much, we almost need to not tune in until round one actually starts. Yeah. I mean, maybe you We're could argue. Project. You could argue don't tune in until round 16 because in previous years, teams have looked hopeless all year, hit their mark at round 16 and win a flag. So... But we will park all the preseason chat. Oh, there. Sorry, sorry, I just yeah. looked up round three. How could I forget of this? Of course, away to the Bulldogs. The dogs, yes. <laughs> See, I'm a bit bummed about this one actually because I got tickets to another event that night. I booked them last year before the fixture, thinking Thursday night that'll be fine, won't it? <laughs> and um, and it's it's funny because it's so it's this. I don't know if you've you heard of. Um, I find this quite funny. But there's a spiritual teacher called Eckhart Tolle. He wrote a famous book, The Power of Now, like 20 years ago. Right. Probably one of the big sort of spiritual books. Too new agey for some people. I get it. I found it interesting. I'm not very cultured. <laughs> well, I bought this guy's book. I liked it. And I, a couple of my friends at work told me, oh, he's coming to Brisbane. Do you want to go? And I said, that sounds fun. Book the tickets. So this guy's whole thing, without going too in-depth on it, the whole thing is about living in the present moment and not being hampered by anxiety. <laughs> and on the 30th of March- Tom's going to sit with a phone <laughs> in his lap. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting in the convention center hall hearing Eckhart Tolle talk about presence of the power of now. And you'll probably hear me swearing when I see the AFL app update for a goal to the dogs. I honestly, I I, I think that's going to be quite an amusing night. You're going to have to leave your phone at home. I don't know how I'm going to do it. How on earth am I going to practice presence and all that spiritual (laughs) jargon, whatever they want you to do while the lions are playing the dogs. Anyway, I'll figure that out. That's, that's for another day. Um, Look, let's, uh, we, we won't talk really much about these Sydney, and Geelong games because there's really not much to preview. Um, but obviously next week on the show we'll give you the we'll look back at the um, the Swans game. Um, and I definitely, if my boss is listening, won't be watching that at my desk on Friday. So there's no need to check in on me. I'll be working very, very hard. Conversely, um, <laughs> to my boss, if he's listening, I will be watching. <laughs> uh, you got a dream job, Mike. You got a dream job. Um, well, let's let's talk about the the big bombshell that has dropped, uh, which maybe we saw coming, but um, now it's been confirmed that Dane Zorko has stepped down as captain. Um, it's official. He he, you know. Probably been in the, as I said, in the in the wind for maybe a number of months in one way or another if this might happen. There was some speculation that it might have even happened after that Demons game last year that I think that was a lot of the online sentiment 
he could never captain the club again and <laughs> all of that sort of stuff yeah, that yeah. looks a bit a little bit silly in hindsight but um but before we talk about uh the replacement just uh, I was going to get your thoughts on on Zork as a captain because you've covered a few captains at the lines obviously early on Brownie you had to go with Tom Rockcliffe Dane yeah. Beams and now uh now Dane Zorko and probably Joel Hatful in the middle there at one stage yeah, well. Zork's funny like I've I was thinking, obviously, I thought about this a lot after he stood down last week, spoke to a number of people, speak to people within the club. People at the club, mm. revere might be a strong word, but it's pretty close yeah, to okay. his captaincy and his tenure as a captain at the club. And this is all um, conversations I've had off the record. They're not just trying to pump him up because I'm going to print something on it. This is just, you know, just chatting to people around the club about mm. him. And they're, they're saying, you know, you don't see how much Zorko does around the club. And I'm like, no, I don't. That's why you've got to tell me what he does. Like that's that's why we I need to know this thing because all we see is you know Dane Zorko on the field and he's um, a bit of an agitator and it's that's part of the game that's made him as good as he has been yeah, for so long. So definitely. I'm not that's not a negative thing. He's had to fight and scrap for everything he got. He was overlooked in so many drafts and he had to fight and claw to get on a list and then to become a regular player and then become the star of the competition that he that he did become. Um, with his All Australian selection, I think in 2017, but he's um, they people around the club will say that he helped uh, galvanise the club and that he is a major driver for the culture at the club. And mm. um, I think anyone that's had any, any significant time around the place knows that it's a very. And this isn't purely Dane's doing, but it's a very friendly bunch of players. They've often got time for you. If yeah, you're definitely. a fan and have been to games and looked for autographs, I know that's only little things, but mm. there's a general uh, warmth amongst the playing group. And I think Zork has to take, I think he does take, should take a lot of responsibility for that. He, and not to underestimate like his influence on the field because they were zero and nine. Chris Fagan was right when he came in, finished that season quite strong. And then the four full seasons he's been in charge, not only him, I understand he's one of 22, but he deserves a lot of credit for the success on the field. So, um, you know, and when taking over from Dane Beams at a time when um, Dane Beams was obviously in a bit of flux in his own life, he'd lost his dad, he'd had some troubles dealing with that mentally, he'd stood down and then, you know, at the end of that year, he he left the club. So it's quite a tumultuous time for, for Zorko with a coach that was only 18 months into his tenure. Mm. Chris Fagan wasn't sure how much longer he was going to be around for. He's, you know, he's working for another contract and working to improve this team. So Zorko walked in at a, you know, but we look back now and say there was nothing to worry about. Like there was this young team on the rise, but put yourself back into that time and into that dressing room. And you think that's probably a difficult time to take over as the captain yeah. for the first time in your life being the being a being a captain of an AFL team. So yeah, he does deserve a ton of credit and I think he's done as well as anyone could have done being thrust into that position at that time. I think also what's an interesting point that I heard a couple of um, of the journos ask Chris Fagan about at a press conference last week to, related to this was uh, was how hard it must be for Zork to give up the captaincy in a year when there is mm. a lot of hype and, and there is on the table the very real prospect of being a premiership captain. Yeah, I asked um, that, mate. Yeah. Oh, was that you? I mean, <laughs> I, I thought it was a high-quality journalistic question. 
Of course it was you. Um, but I, I think I listened to it mm. while I was driving, so I couldn't quite yeah. – the audio wasn't oh. as good. Uh, this is awkward. Um, <laughs> but, but no, the, the, that's a really – it's a very good point that, mm. that you did make, Mike. Um, Thanks, Tom. <laughs> that I'm now claiming. That, uh, that yeah, Mike, were, Mike Zork was on the, mm. the cards this year of being a premiership captain potentially. And to step down at that stage, when in his mind he probably thought, I could absolutely captain for another year – there is a selflessness to it, and and um and that probably does typify a lot of what he's done around the club. It it does leave a very big question. We spoke about this, um, you know, way back in in episode one after our chat with Lee Matthews. Our projections, I I think I a little cheekily threw out Cam Rayner, who probably isn't going to end up being captain this year. But I think you went Lockie Neal at that particular juncture. Uh, is that still where you're feeling it'll land today? You know, I've um, <laughs> you probably asked me next week, and I'll give you a different answer so mm. I think I've settled on I think a joint captaincy might okay. be the best way to go I think Lockie and Harris Andrews there you go yeah right. and that's after speaking to a few people and to, to be to, like as we record this I've got no idea which way they're going mm. I think the players have only just voted on leadership group they, they, they probably know that they might have been told the leadership group now and from that group um, then they'll the the guys that want to be a captain will put their hand up and then they'll figure it out. They'll interview and they'll go through a process then. But I've thought about it a lot and I think Lockie Neal could do it on his own and I wouldn't be shocked if he did do it on his own. There is an element of I think Harris Andrews would be a good off-field guy to have as your captain of your yeah, club. He's yeah. a Queensland guy. He's an academy guy. He does bleed for this club. Mm. You speak to people at that club, they speak to, of him similarly to how they speak of Zorks. If you ask Harris to do anything, someone said to me, if you ask Harris to put on a sombrero to go and get a photo for the paper, he'd do it. Yeah, sure. He's that guy that will do anything. I'm not saying Lockie wouldn't do any of this, by the way, but I'm just sort of putting across the other side. I think in this instance, in the market that we've got up here, perhaps it's a good way to do it. Perhaps it's a good time to share it. Harris is a great... Um, guy to aspire to i think for the community here yeah wouldn't be a, and i'm not saying you pick a captain because of marketing not at all but i think that'd be a great a great fit and Lockie, i, I do question having a fullback as my captain and I, that's probably really poor thinking from someone that hasn't played the game but um and that's why i think Lockie, Lockie's the best player he's a guy that's going to mm. be a follow me guy follow me his leadership sounds like it's improved over recent years and he's put a lot of time and effort into it and He's a guy I'd want out there. Hey, guys, look what I'm doing. I'm the best player in the comp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow what I'm doing. So I think they could be a partnership. Do you think, I mean, because we, we've spoken before, and I my inclination is to agree with you on having a fullback as captain. But then I think Jonathan Brown was a superb Yeah, captain. I know. It's it's flawed thinking, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So why, Nick, why Nick, do we- Nick Rewalt. Yeah, why do we think a, a key forward know. can do it and not a key back? I don't know. May, maybe, I mean, it's stupid. I'm thinking, I'm trying to come up with an answer now. Yeah, I should yeah. have had this before now, but- um, maybe we think they can't have as much influence yeah. from fullback. They're out of the play more, which, you know, maybe 20 years ago was the case. But obviously the field is so condensed these days. Fullbacks well, push up and everyone's within a kick of the play. So, But also I would think a couple of big Harris Andrews intercept marks in a tense moment of the game could absolutely yep. turn the momentum. You know, talking about captaincy moments. Yep. Um, you know, you, you think about some of the big grand final. It's probably flawed thinking. Yep. Well, you think about some of the, the big grand final moments of the last 20 years and there's none just about bigger than Leo Barry. Mm. You know, it shows what a key defender or what someone in defence can do with yep. an intercept mark to lift a team. So I, I hear what you 
you're saying, it's been my inclination too. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, my sense is probably that it might end up just being Harris. Um, yep. I probably warmed a bit more to Harris. I think there's this element sometimes, the whole idea that you could take for granted um, what you've got and start, you know, yep. uh, going, well, we've known Harris is an up-and-coming leader for years. And so you start thinking of other prospects. But two years ago, I don't think there was any doubt Harris Andrews was the next captain of the Lions. And he's had maybe a couple of form struggles to his very lofty standard since then. But apart from that, I mean, as you said, bleeds for the club, born and bred Queenslander, um, natural born leader. I mean, this is the guy, by the way, who played an enormous role in helping Hugh and Jared settle into Brisbane. Yep. Without Harris, you know, being dad to them, as they joked about, and, and having them in his place that he was living in at the time, who knows how, how Hugh McCluggage and Jared Berry settle in. Talk about unsettling eras for the club. Yeah. Yes. Right then. Yeah. <laughs> Two or three years after, go home five, new coach, all the rest of it. So, yeah, oh. he was a major influence then. And I think the other question mark I had in my head about Harris before I gave it a bit more thought was sometimes I've thought in the last couple of years, and maybe it's because his form's been 8 out of 10 and not 10 out of 10 like it was mm. for a period there, but he just looked like he'd lost composure a couple of times to me. Yeah, he'd, sure. Um, he let his frustrations get the better of him on the field, and I'm like, yeah, if I see that, I, pr I probably don't want to see that as a captain, which is funny because – the guy he's taking over from is another guy that's has worn his heart on his sleeve for, for his entire time as a player. So maybe that's mm. flawed thinking as well. So yeah, it did. I did come around to thinking that Lockie and Harris would be a, a nice combo. We haven't had many great captains in the AFL who haven't had some blemishes in taking it too yeah. far. Or maybe I'm looking for perfection yeah. when that's silly. Yes, you yes. need a bit of an edge. Yeah. Zorko showed you can play with an edge and still have a team right behind you. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm um, with you completely. And Brownie was no angel. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, a good point. Um, all righty. Well, uh, quick question on the process. I don't know if you know anything about the process they're running or if they've kept that very under wraps for now. The captaincy? Yeah. Yeah, just so I, I probably just briefly touched on it then. Like they, they'll have voted for the leadership group. The players primarily vote for the leadership group. Yep. And we're not sure how big that group will be. It could be... Five, it could be seven, it could be, well, I don't know, but there's normally, Fags and the coach will say there's normally a clear delineation mm. between, you know, there's a gap in the voting, I suppose, after three or five or seven players and they'll, they'll identify that. Once they've got that leadership group, then they ask who wants to be captain mm. because you've obviously got to want to do it. Now, I, I don't expect everyone would put their hand up if they're in the leadership group, so that narrows your field straight away. And then however many guys want to be captain, maybe it's only one. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then there's no real decision but unlikely to be just one there'll be a few and then they'll go through an interview process and i think the i think the coach and i think this is the way it should be too i think the coach and the footy department will have a reasonable say in, in the yes, outcome i think it should be that way yeah. as well completely agree with that so well we'll keep um, it, it'll be done by the geelong game i think so okay as it probably needs to be so we'll keep an eye on how that unfolds. Uh, now, Mike, we're going to talk Gabba redevelopment uh, and get to some questions in a moment as we move towards wrapping up. I just wanted to talk goal celebration songs for a while because they did have the uh, the photo day recently last week at the club. Um, and I'm sure the, everyone in the media department and the club enjoyed being out in the brand new facilities of Springfield for uh, for everything to do with that um, as opposed to trying to poke around the, the back corners of the Gabba. Um, but I, I did see that the Lions did tweet out that it's goal celebration day and a song day. And I, I wanted to have a bit of a chat about this because it has become an enormous talking point in recent years. Um, I think one of the things I'm most anxious for this year has nothing to do with formal game plan, but is that Charlie does stick with Country Roads. I think if he kicks a goal at round two against the Demons and a different song plays, I think 10,000 people might just get up and leave. 
I, ju- I honestly think it's become that iconic. Do you reckon he'd feel that pressure, Charlie, that he has to stick with it? I don't know if he'd, fi- he'd know that everyone's hanging on his decision, though. And he'd, See, like, and he'd love that. I would, I would go as far as to say it is the most non-footy-related anticipation Lions fans have had at the Gabba since Jason Akimanis' handstands. Yeah, probably. I, I, I reckon Charlie yep. kicking a goal and no, us singing fair. Country Roads is the most iconic sort of Gabba experience we've had since Acker's handstands. Yep. And so if, if we get out there and he kicks a goal and a different song plays, I just think there'll be I think there'll be gutted fans all over yep. the place. I, I love it. It's not like it's not a favorite song of mine by any stretch. I can take it or leave it. Yes. But yep. I've got to admit when that when that plays, it does get it, it does feel like a like a real community at the ground, oh, it doesn't does, it? Like yes. everyone's into it. It does yeah. feel like a home venue. <laughs> yes. So look I, I we have um a good chance that there's going to be four new players in the best 22 come round to the first game at the Gabba. I'm projecting um, Jack Gunston, uh, Will Ashcroft, Connor McKenna, um, and obviously Josh Dunkley will be playing that particular night. Uh, Connor McKenna may not. We'll wait and see. But the other three, I think, are pretty safe locks, and I think Connor's getting there too. Surely you've got a song for Connor McKenna, though. I've got a song for all four. <laughs> I've got a pitch to put forward to I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to this. And I've actually... Dom hasn't know, shown me these. Well, this is, the, this is the work I've put in, is now with our new audio setup, thanks again to the brilliant James North, I can uh, play you grabs of them <laughs> rather than just pitching them at you. This, this is great, So Dom. let's see how this goes. Um, now, I, I thought for Connor, we needed something Irish, obviously. Now the uh, <laughs> we'll start there. This now, is great. The only the the most iconic Irish song I think you'd agree we can't use because it's Danny Boy and Danny yep. Boy is probably a little bit slow <laughs> yes. to, to blast out at the gather. So instead, I was thinking maybe this. Now, do you remember this? <laughs> oh, I'm shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Movies. This was the AFL like promotional yeah, song. I remember. 13, 14. I reckon the best promotional campaign they've ever done. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Couldn't you see this blasting? <laughs> At the Gabba, I mean, you could look at Riverdance or something if you're othered for uh, for Connor, but I reckon that's got the amp, like the amping the crowd up, <laughs> and also has some, an Irish flavour. What do you think of that one? That would actually get people up doing a little jig, I reckon. Yeah, because I think a lot of players. Now, this is I said to somebody last year. I'm not a Lincoln Park fan, right? I don't really like their music, but Link McCarthy should have a Lincoln yeah, Park song. That'd be pretty cool. And as I yep. had that moment, I thought players don't think enough about this. No. They really don't give it enough thought. Um, they just sort of go, I like this song, I'll pick that, which is why I'm here to help. So we move to Jack Gunston. Sorry, just quickly, oh, yeah. Dom, do you reckon <laughs> the club should let people know what songs are coming? I just want to like that. Mm. So that's that's a great idea, right? That yeah. Connor McKenna song. Yes. He's He plays in defence. He might kick two goals all year. Yeah, they yeah. hear it once. Yeah. That's it. It's too late to celebrate and get involved and they might not get another chance all season. Yes. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that the club should release the, their songs. I don't know. I know they like to say for a bit of surprise at the match, but I think you kind of want to know what's yeah. coming and look forward to Imagine it. Imagine that. So Marcus Adams kicked the goal. Was it last season? Yes. His yep. first goal? Yeah. I can't even remember his song. Sorry, Marcus. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Yeah. Um, but imagine if the anticipation of, oh, my God, what if he kicks a goal? They're going to play uh, whatever. <laughs> See, now, I'd, I would say for Charlie, keep that one a surprise. Yeah. If, if, yep. he, if he's changed or whatever it is, have some anticipation there. Yep. But I totally agree. Tell us the other players' songs. I, I'm with you on that yeah. all the way. Maybe you and I need to do an investigative raid. Ones we can cheer for. And get, yeah. get the list of songs out there. I mean, we've still got some contacts in the media team. Or yeah, I'll well, get them to leak me the Excel yeah. spreadsheet <laughs> and see how we go. Well, um, okay, we'll move to Jack Gunston, who's a man who's going to kick a lot of goals this year, you would think. So we'll get whatever song Jack Gunston picks, we're going to hear a lot. Now, what is Jack Gunston's nickname? Have you heard his nickname around the club? No, I'm, I'm sorry, I've already thought about what this is going to be. Yeah, so. yeah. I think this might be the one you heard me playing as I put yep, it into the it system. Was, and it just twigged. Yeah. <laughs> so his nickname, uh, I've heard him called Gunners. You've heard that? So this is why I reckon... 
Surely for Jack Gunston. <laughs> this would make sense when he kicks a goal around the stadium. A bit of Guns N' Roses. This is what I'm talking about. Don't just pick a song you like, Jack. Do something that ties Play to in. your name. And so you can see people around the stadium have a bit of a chuckle as this fires off. Yep. Also, this would be a brilliant goal celebration song regardless. This would be a ripper. Just yep. blaring out around the yep. gabba. Um, well, then then we'll go to Josh Dunkley. Now, uh, Josh Dunkley strikes me as a really cool guy. So I'm, I'm worried. He worries me as a goal celebration song that he might just pick some Triple J song that he likes. Yeah. I, <laughs> if you do that, Dunks, I'm going to be really upset. Because yep. you've got a real opportunity here now. A lot of people thought you shouldn't have left the Bulldogs. A lot of people thought there was more time in your career there and what's going on there, which is why your goal celebration song should be... As you were setting that up, I knew this song was coming. <laughs> Don't you think, for a bit of irony and a little bit of fun, it'd be great if this was his goal yeah, celebration song? Just a little bit playful. That's my theory anyway. Because I reckon if another club did it and a Lions player went to them, the In the Jungle, The Lion Sleeps Tonight would be yeah. a great song in that yep. instance. Don't make it playful. Yeah. My fourth one's my favourite though, Mike. I was thinking Will Ashcroft. What could Will Ashcroft's goal celebration song be? You know what would what would sum you, up Will Ashcroft? Does, does Will strike you as a kid? Look, I've yeah. I've barely spoken to Will. I bumped into him in a community camp thing. I said g'day, introduced myself, and chatted mm. for about three minutes. But he doesn't strike me as a musical fan for a start. I'm yeah. not sure how much thought he's going to put into this. He might surprise me. I don't know him that well. Well, here's what I'm going to put forward. And and Will, if you're listening to this, I want you to call the media department at the club now and say I'm changing my pick to what Dom's just suggested. <laughs> Because, Will, I'm pretty sure you can confirm this for me. I hope you can. He's the first Bears father-son we've had, isn't he? Mark's playing for the Bears. We've not had a father-son Correct. who had a Bears link before, which is yep. why when Will kicks a goal... <laughs> would this not be <laughs> phenomenal? Yep. I reckon, as a tie into the club That'd history... That'd be sick. Probably the first time most people listening to this have heard that for a long time. Yeah. Now, if Will Ashcroft has... This is a any, tune. Isn't it a great one? <laughs> now, it's a song that isn't because we're the Lions now. We don't get to hear this one as much anymore. We're the very best oh. team. <laughs> See... Well, I've not heard that for so long. I what reckon... Don't you reckon that would be the best goal song for Will Ashcroft? Yeah. Every time Will kicks a goal, mate, we I'm get so to be the bear. I'm glad I've won you. I this think is I'm- an absolute home run, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really. I, I can see that you're on board with yep. all four of them. So I think the last my one's my favourite. My face is as red as a beetroot from <laughs> laughing. I'm sure that is quality stuff. Seriously, if someone at the club hasn't chatted to Will about using Dare to Beat the Bear, get onto that because what a beautiful way that would be to tie in club yep. history as well, and um and get that song. Bla- you never thought you'd hear that blaring at the Gabba these days. Nah, and wouldn't that just get? I mean, not that. Fans aren't on board already, but how much would that get all the fans on board oh, for Will, for oh, Josh Dunkley? Like, yes. they'd be just fan favourites instantly. That's what I mean. So, this is, I mean, if the Lions are looking to hire a, a GM of goal celebration songs, I, I think I've just put my application in there. That's what I'm You've saying. You've been like, pushing for the Minister for Morale, uh, <laughs> Minister of Morale, sorry. That's right. Well, for a while. I reckon I almost had that job until Nobes left. He was yeah. going to hire me, yeah. I reckon. But I, I seriously do think players should put more thought in it. And I'm happy if the club are listening, anyone at the club's listening, I'm, I give them all over to you. I will not, well, I will take the credit, but yeah. I'll let you have them. They're all yours. Um, and speaking of the Gabba Mike, it's good time now to jump to probably the last segment uh, before we get to some questions of the podcast today, which is about the, the news announced last Friday. It had been sort of 
roughly announced in 2021 that the Gabba was going to be knocked down and rebuilt as the Olympic Stadium. At that stage, it was about a billion dollars, the price tag that was being thrown around. Then some news started circulating. Maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe they'll pick a different venue or, or maybe even do, I think, what France is is doing for their Olympics and actually not in Paris. They're not having a stadium opening ceremony. They're having it down the river. Um, maybe Brisbane will do that down the Brown Snake. That'd be a lovely, lovely thing, <laughs> wouldn't it? Smell the mangroves as you go. Um, but but it's for all the toing and froing that's occurred, it is now locked in. Um, it, it more than double the price. It's now $2.7 billion build, which I, I need to check because of inflation and everything else. I'm wondering if that's the most expensive stadium build in the world. Um, yeah, I've got no idea. It I, be up there. It'd be up there. I think some of the NFL stadiums yeah, in course, the yes. US were beyond that, but not many. But maybe Southern Hemisphere then. Maybe I could get yeah, that yeah, over yeah. the line. <laughs> we'll see. I always find that so funny when they throw in best in the Southern Hemisphere because you really yeah. – it, you make, <laughs> like it sounds more impressive than it actually is. Like it's a different planet yeah, or something. No. <laughs> There's a lot less people down here in terms of first world countries yeah. at least. Um, but there, so, so the gap is going to be knocked down. It's going to be rebuilt. The, the time frame is going to be between the 2025 and 2029 Ashes. Um, although with how the Australian test team's going at the moment, whether they're still playing test cricket by then, <laughs> we'll wait and see. That was a shocker in India. But um, we won't- Ruined my Sunday night. <laughs> I had all these plans of watching cricket all afternoon oh, and no. night and they ruined it. They did. I think you're not alone there. Um, but th- this is obviously amazing news for the club. Um, you know, the fact that now uh, they're going to end up with, at that point at least, the best oval stadium in the country. Um, you can't see Adelaide or, or Perth getting a new stadium anytime soon. No. Um, I don't think they're going to do a complete rebuild of the MCG. So probably the Lions fans can look forward to for the next 30, 40 years after this is done, having the most state-of-the-art mm. oval stadium in the country, which is pretty thrilling. And I, I know you and I have said before on this podcast that without an Olympics, there wouldn't have been the business case for it. And it, it would have been quite tricky, actually, to to you know, because the gabble would have got. It's still hard to mount the business case well. with the Olympics, <laughs> even though I'm the biggest Olympics frother that's <laughs> probably going around. But whew, yeah. it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But um, we digress. It is a great thing and, for the club. And so, what I wanted to ask you, and as I mentioned, Jake Anson is going to join us uh, in these studios in the coming weeks to talk all things Gabba uh, rebuild. He's just been on a trip recently with Ben Kurzweil from the club. The two of them went over to the US to tour a bunch of stadiums and facilities. He's going to share with us what he picked up over there. Um, and also have a little bit Mate, of a chat. Come on, let's just what a junket that is. <laughs> that's the gr- that's I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> well, Mike, I reckon you and I someone needs to pay for us to go and visit the podcasting facilities yeah. in the US. <laughs> that's right. And, um, a bit of PD. Yeah, that's <laughs> um but but uh we will talk to him about all of that as well as how things are going at Springfield and the um well I'll get to this a bit more in a moment, but the four locations that are mooted for the club to play at in the interim years. Um for now though, I want to to, to ask you this, if you had one request, can be as vague or as general as you, sorry, as vague or as uh, specific as you want, but one request for the new Gabba build, if you were meeting with the, the architects, what would it be? So I'm going to be selfish because that's the only way I could think with this. Yep. This sounds so wanky, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I have, I've hardly sat in the Gabba grandstand for yeah, sure. so long. Yeah. That sounds horrible. I know. I just I just can't comprehend the the litany of issues there are with the ground. But yeah, yeah. from a media perspective, and I would imagine some of the corporate areas as well, make some bloody windows that open up. Yeah, we right, are behind right. closed windows. And I know it's really finicky and will cost nothing and isn't a big picture 
um, item in terms of a stadium build that's going to cost a couple of billion dollars. But but Mike wants to sing country roads with everybody. I want to hear the crowd <laughs> and feel the crowd. Yeah. Honestly, like at the MCG, the windows open. It's just amazing. Like you feel like you're part of it. Yeah. We're behind this glass and you you get a slight feel for it. Of course, you get a feel for it to some extent, but you don't get the real atmosphere. And, and it's, so, and it's I, not it's not just written media. There's yeah. uh, all the other media, um, and I'm sure some, a bunch of the corporate suites are the same. You want Everyone wants to experience why they're there. We don't have to be behind closed bloody glass. We're in Queensland, for God's sake. Let's yeah. let the elements are fine. I hear you. Roll. See, I've I visited the media box before. I saw you in there one one particular night a bunch of years ago, and you're there like obviously typing away, getting the neck massage in the jacuzzi. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you. How hard is it for them to open a window as well? Um, they're oh. bringing you drinks with little umbrellas and curly yeah, straws. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like all actually, you want. we we don't we didn't even get water last year, <laughs> so oh, that could be another. <laughs> Yeah, no, if, if, if it wasn't obvious, I am joking. There's uh, the Gabba. I mean, we're not throwing anyone under the bus to say it's not no. known for its media facilities. No, and I'm not, and I, oh God, I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> I just think it's a simple thing to do. Yeah. Yep. To, for, for media, for corporate, for whoever, just make it ex- make the atmosphere accessible to everyone. So that's a little yep. thing. And that's I know right. it's probably not going to resonate with a lot of people listening, but yes, I was being selfish this time. Well, let me throw two in there. Um, the first, actually, let me throw three. I'm breaking my own rules. The first one is drop in pitch, please. I am. I, oh don't, God. I don't know how if that's going to happen or not. Think of that. But I am so over. It, it, we've seen now that there isn't actually, and I know the cricket fans are going to come for me, but we've seen globally there isn't that much of a quantifiable difference between a drop in pitch done well and the original pitch. Here's the difference. Football players' careers are getting cut short because they're bloody falling, like their ruckmen are jumping on a hard cricket wicket. There is no other professional sport in the world that would, like a suburban competition, play on a compromised surface just for another sport. There's no one that would do, do it. Don't speak about Cam Rayner's suspension from round 23 well, for Ben Brown's hitting the cricket with Well, <laughs> but this is what I mean. Could you imagine Could you imagine it in reverse, right? Could you imagine if the AFL needed, for let's just say, that a part of the outfield would have thicker grass, if the AFL needed that kept all year? Could you imagine cricket going, well, we'll just adapt and, and you know, boundaries will be a bit harder to hit out there <laughs> because the ball won't roll? No, they would never do it. They would never, the fact the AFL has to compromise around this, when the AFL, let's be honest, brings in quite a bit more money and attendance to the Gabba than cricket does these days, if they don't put in a drop-in pitch for that one, I, that, that will get me to the streets with a placard. Seems a no-brainer. I will fight that one as long as I can. Um, the second one I'm going to say, this one's my selfish one, can somebody please get some gluten-free food into the Gabba? As one of the celiacs Well, there, funny you say nothing. that. Keep elaborating because yeah. the... F- Obviously, this will resonate. The food, the f- the food and drink is just a is a shambles, and it's not just the Gabba. I know it's sporting venues probably around the world, well, definitely around Australia. Suncorp's pretty good, actually. I reckon Suncorp Stadium's not yeah, okay. bad. Um, the MCG's really good, but but you go to the Gabba, and legitimately, I I once found a gluten free pie at one particular stall around somewhere around the other side of the stadium from where I usually go. But generally, like I, I mean, I realise this is a selfish thing as a celiac. I can't eat gluten, but I've not had a meal. Yeah, at that's the Gabba. real selfish, Dom. <laughs> Well, I've not had a meal. A lot of people can't have gluten, for example. And you want to spend $15 on I, a pie. Desperately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've not, like, it hasn't even crossed my mind that I could eat at the mm. Gabba for, you know, six, seven years that's since so, I got diagnosed. That sucks. And yeah. so, like, just bring in a gluten-free option, please. And, and while you're at it, just refresh the menus a little bit. A lot of people would be grateful. There's a lot of that sort of stuff. Like, I know people talk about- I know that the chicken and chips for 1370 yeah. is just- <laughs> 
is just <laughs> not quite doing it for me anymore. Well, so I understand there are some some significant things you need a rebuild to fix, like accessibility for people with disabilities. That's a major issue at the Gabba, and you basically need to rebuild a Gabba to get that stuff yep. right. You don't need to rebuild it to sort out the food. You can do that today. You can do that for this season. So That's why they need to be told now, though, Dom, because yeah. you think wheelchair accessibility and all that is should be pretty standard in new stadium builds. Yes. Let's just take that as read that that'll happen. Yes, agree. But if they have, if they can't get the food bit right now, <laughs> I, know, I know. When they can change it tomorrow, how are they going to get it right? They need to be reminded and told. And next to my gate, would I be unhappy if you put in a fromagerie and I could go and get <laughs> cheese on the way in and out? No, I would not. I don't know of a stadium in the world that has its own fromagerie. <laughs> I do. That was a word. I also don't know a sports podcast that's ever used the word fromagerie in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the look Mike Whiting's giving me right now, I didn't, I've just it, brought the word fromagerie It took to the me table. a few seconds to realise what the hell it was. <laughs> um, but the, the one that I, I will also quite seriously throw in is when the original design or mock designs went up um, for the Gabba when the Olympics was announced, I thought they looked a bit, now I know that was just a mock, but they looked a bit generic. And I think something that I love about Adelaide Oval, I know that it's hard to recreate what they've done there, but they, they sort of captured the origins of the ground, something about the city, something about – it feels like such a uniquely Adelaide venue. I really hope this stadium doesn't just feel like a copy and paste big blockbuster mm. stadium from around the world. Now, that's easier said than done, but I really hope they can find some way to to bring Brisbane into it. Even the current sales you have around the Gabba, they feel quite yeah, Queensland, quite does. iconically Queensland. Yep. So I really hope that whatever they have, whatever they build, there is a real um, specific Brisbane-Queensland element to it. And, uh, and I'm not sure what that might look like. That's not for me. That's for the architects. Mm. But I really hope we don't just get a generic stadium that replaces, you know, what has been such an iconic sporting ground for, for so many years now. So um, th- those are sort of my ones. And then also it'd be lovely to have some of the, the more, some of the statues out the front like the MCG does on the new concourses and whatever. I've been thinking that for a little while too, Dom. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something they sh- – I mean, there's a handful of options. We can chat about that on another podcast. But, yeah, there's some – Plenty of people worthy of statues. Oh, just Gabba. and so if you are a, a sculptor, get working on the the Zach Bailey sculpture now, and then yeah, it'll be ready for save you. Save yourself some, <laughs> save yourself time in 10, <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Um, alrighty. Well, uh, speaking of the playing options in the years ahead, Jake Anson will call will will join us shortly, as we mentioned in in the coming weeks. But it does sound as though the four options on the table remain: um, Metricon, uh, Springfield, Cusack, and the RNA. Um, none of those I believe are out of the picture yet. None of those are necessarily a front runner yet either. Um, but it, it was interesting talking to Jake last Friday that, that it sounds like we won't get news on that this year. Um, probably has to, to, to start getting things happening. Um, uh, but that's going to be the next interesting piece of the puzzle because, uh, I can imagine from a government point of view, if they send the lines to Metricon, for example, and no one goes or, or suddenly attendances are down to 10, 15,000 people per game, which I think is quite likely if they did that. And then they have this brand new 50 something thousand seat Gabba. The Lions will have had their membership sort of hit really hard and you might only have 18,000 people going to a brand new Gabba. That's going to be an awful look for a state government that's just spent $2.7 billion on this stadium. So they need to do something that keeps the Lions relevant, keeps the Lions in Brisbane and keeps the Lions as a, as a hot ticket item. That's what the club has to be thinking about right now, Don. Yes, and I'm sure yeah. they are and it's obviously hard until you've got the venue locked in, but yeah. that's probably the the key thing in the next five to ten years for, for the Lions. How the hell are they going to keep Yes, people invested in a four-year period. Like I, yeah. we saw it down the Gold Coast when they had 
uh, Metricom was out of action for the first half of the 2018 season for the Commonwealth Games. So the Suns were on the road for 10 weeks. Mm. And at that time, it was a bit different. The Suns were no good. They, um, I think Stewie Jew had just come in as coach. It was his first 10 rounds as coach. There was no expectation they were a, a team down the bottom, but uh, they weren't likely to get big crowds anyway. That's only half a season. That felt like forever. Yeah. I can't imagine four years of travelling down to Metricon if you're a Lions fan. That's not really feasible. No. Springfield, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like the facility's terrific, but But could you imagine that, a could you imagine a prelim final at Springfield? Well, it, that just uh, that wouldn't happen. Right. Like it just wouldn't happen. So and then you've got RNA and Q. Anyway, so wherever you go, Brisbane's got to start really thinking how can they yeah. keep their members membership as high and keep their fans invested. Mm. So whether they're having to capture a new market, whether it's investing more in um, you know, areas out near Springfield, which I know they are already, or Cusack or the northern suburbs for potential RNA. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, but that's a major, major worry, I think. Well, see, Four years. I understand that there's a lot of money that's been put towards sports already and that we might have listeners to this podcast work in education, healthcare, roads who might say, can you not just throw another few hundred million at a temporary stadium? Absolutely valid. Yeah, Absolutely we, fair. we can't argue that because no. it's... It's indefensible. <laughs> uh, in saying that, the one that to me does tick every box still is the RNA. RNA. And the yep. reason I say that is because the RNA is going to it's going to need a rebuild it anyway. It is so outdated. They have a lot of events there. Obviously, the Echo, but they have music festivals there. They have a lot going on there. It's a venue that has such rich history mm. being, as we've said on this podcast before, Don Bradman's test debut was there. Um, it's such so brilliantly located. The RNA is going to need a fair spend yep. at some point in the next decade to remain usable. And um, and so in my mind, I think, why would you spend money doing up Springfield to what it doesn't ever need to be? I agree. Doing up QSAC, which it just has no relevancy for this anymore. When you could put maybe that and a little bit more money into a solution that would work so much better for the club, there would be such a better use of money for the state generally It's a long-term yeah. fix, Dom, but it's just oh. a short-term solution for the Lions, which is yes. convenient, but it's a long-term fix for the city and well, for the state. We currently have a situation where the, the Brisbane Roar can't afford to play at Suncorp because they're not getting enough fans in there, and there's this lack of an alternative stadium. Now, I would think something like the RNA, if you did this right, could become... Now, I know the soccer fans listening might go, it's going to be an oval field for... That's not a great spectacle. Yeah. But with minor adjustments, I would think something like that could become a great boutique stadium in Brisbane for the Roar, um, for, you know, things along these lines. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm pretty passionate about this. Uh, I really, really hope it is the RNA. I think the other, all of the other three options have major problems, but uh, I am not in any way across all of that. So, we'll wait till yeah. Jake Hansen joins us. <laughs> Um, don't worry, this is not the, I'll die on the gluten-free at the Gabba Hill. I'm not so much going to die on this particular hill. Um, a couple of questions to get through, Mike, uh, before we wrap the podcast up today. These all come from our Patreon Facebook page. Um, so if you sign up to The Raw Deal on Patreon, we have tweeted out the link, or you just go to Patreon, The Raw Deal, you'll find us there. Uh, $5 a month gets you access to the early access to the podcast as soon as it's recorded on Monday night. Apologies that that's been later the past couple of weeks as we tech troubleshoot. But that is there. Also, some uh, bonus content there and supports us to keep going. $10 a month gets you into the Raw Deal members' private Facebook group. Um, and we're having the best time in there, aren't we, Mike? I'm not, I'll try to sell it hard here. It's, it's a rollicking party in there. Yeah. That joke you made the other day, everyone loved that. And <laughs> yep. 
but uh, but we are in there, and as soon as the season does start, we're going to start doing live videos um, with the the teams being announced. So only thank- a couple of weeks away. Very close, yeah. So thank you so 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 much to everybody who is uh, put some some money towards this project. I mean, it is so flattering, so encouraging, so supportive, and so much appreciated. Uh, a couple of questions here, Mike. I'm going to throw these at you. We'll do a speed round because uh, it turns out when it's just you and I sitting here talking, we do go on. Um, and I did find it funny that a lot of people after our hour and a half intra club report a few weeks ago said, go even Keep longer. Going. Yeah, I know. And I thought, you guys aren't going to say that forever. What, what are we up to? Uh, we're in hour 20 here. Oh, geez. Okay. This is rapid fire. <laughs> Let's go rapid fire. Something around I've got a run anyway. to go and do. Yeah, there we go. All righty. So we'll start with Zane who wants to know what's going on with Kai Lohman, who I don't think we've seen oh, in the that's a good, yet. Yeah. He's one I have to follow up. I'm yeah. not trying to dodge your question here, mate, but he, he certainly had a groin problem a little while ago. Hasn't played. Now, I, I don't think he's far away. I'm not sure of the specifics, but I will have to follow that up. Because he was one of the major mm. hype prospects last yeah. year in the in the VFL. And um, he had some injury troubles last year. He's had some again over the offseason. So hopefully Kai can get his body right because he's he's one in the sort of the young up-and-comers Huge. who could well be in the best 22 by the end of the season with the talent he's got. Um uh, we will move for, for to Josh, who says, after Friday's intra-club, the surprise for me is that I now have Lions and Wilmot in the team for round one. Um, do you have the same conclusion? Well, I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I certainly have Darcy Wilmot. I don't have Jared Lyons. Um, I just think he's a bit far down that midfield pecking order for me. So I would have, from the B team the other day, Jared Berry played B. I think Jared Berry will play in the senior team by round one. He's a little bit more versatile. I don't think Jared's quite got that versatility. And now with the addition of Josh Dunkley, I think that midfield's a bit congested. It's sort of Lockie Neal, Josh Dunkley. They're the type of roles I think Jared Lyons could play, but he's just not in front of those guys for me. Uh, Kyle says, I'm a big fan of Dev Robertson. With the additions over the summer, is there any concern about if Dev doesn't get a best 22 spot this year locked in, maybe losing him to WA? Oh, I certainly think it's a concern. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's 22 games to play out or 25, hopefully, or 26 if you're Brisbane. Um, and we saw at the end of last year the impact he can have when he's given an opportunity and he's given a role. And I love him being around that mix. He's another one I don't think quite in the 22 or 23 at the moment. I think he's very, very close. I thought he was pretty good in the main intra-club, not in the last intra-club on Friday night. He can play a variety of roles, which gives him an opportunity to play senior footy. But yeah, that's a concern for sure. But there's yeah. a, there'll be nibble, there'll be more than a nibble from the WA clubs, particularly West Coast. I would think who's who's probably still got a pretty good team on paper, but we know they're they're starting to think rebuild, and they're probably a year or two away from a full one. So yeah, it's a, that's a concern. Yeah, really, really hope Dev cements a team and signs on for eight years because I think uh, I think he is such. It's a very star. hard to find spots. It is, as, but but yeah. you only need an injury or two and. And guys like Dev and mm. and potentially Jared Lyons and Reese Matheson become super important. Uh, Tim's got two here. Firstly, how's Nakai Cockatoo going? Yeah, I thought he's going okay. I don't. He's not. Um, he's not tearing it up. I wouldn't say he's very fit. He mm. he looks fit. I found it hard to judge people through this preseason, particularly with the A versus B stuff. The discrepancy in talent from the best team to the second team is so vast, yeah. particularly when you've got eight or ten guys with niggles or injuries or illness that aren't playing, that that B team drops away very quickly. You've got a lot of academy guys, some top-up players. You've got maybe 10 listed guys and 10 academies or, you know, give or take. And 
it's just very hard for players to shine in that yeah. instance. So Nakaya looks okay, but he's yeah, he's not tearing it up, but he's going okay. It's a tricky one, Nakaya. I think he, this time last year we both relatively had comfortably hopes. had him in our twenty two. Yeah. And um he, he's a fair bit down the pecking order he now. Is. He's absolutely got the talent. It's yep. just um it just it's gonna be a question as to how much his body will let him get back to what he's shown in the past. But he's one of those players who could well earn his way back in there and, and I think we'd all be thrilled uh, if if he did. Um Tim also uh, says he's in a bit of a disagreement with his dad because he says his dad keeps asking how the boys look so muscular and is adamant that it's photoshopping can you confirm <laughs> mike are the boys as fit as they look in the images on the yeah Instagram? well it depends on what boys you're talking about but <laughs> there there is potential photoshop or on photo day i don't think it's a big secret that a few of the boys get around and do a few push-ups or a few chin-ups before the photos are taken which as we know Sends the blood to the working muscles, Dom, and pumps yep. them up a bit more for the photos. But they are, I'll tell you what, if you see Reese Matheson's biceps, they yep. are not photoshopped. Okay. He has got a huge set of biceps, big, big Reese. Maybe we should get Matho in here for an arm wrestle with you. <laughs> 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 and you'll like like how I threw you under the bus there, because yeah. I would do I would fare significantly worse than you would. Wouldn't be much of an arm wrestle. Um, and uh Matt, uh we'll wrap up with Matt on the Facebook here and then a couple from the Patreon page. Matt says, I was confident that we might have gotten a new club logo as we moved into Brighton Homes Arena to signify a new era of the club. Do you think the club is due for a logo update? Now, I'm just trying to think in my mind. This is your area of expertise, I reckon. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a really interesting question from Matt because I'm thinking it was 2010, uh, Vossi's second year, that the current Paddle Pop came out. And originally, um, I think, People weren't too against it as a logo. It was where it sat on the the Guernsey that obviously upset a lot of people and, and understandably so. Now that's been corrected, but we have had the the Paddle Pop sort of line as our logo now for what, 12, 13 years. Now it's a really interesting one because a few clubs in the comp have gone for new logos mm. this year. I think Essendon in particular have a, a new logo. Um, the Demons did it a couple of years ago. We've seen a bunch of clubs do these sort of upgrades of logos. Port Adelaide not that long ago did it as well. Um, and I, I do think about, uh, from a, a Brisbane point of view, that we're in a situation where I kind of feel like our logo now has been longer than the premiership logo that we had. Uh, and I need to check that. But I, I think if you go from the merger, or certainly you'll be getting to that mark now. So my That's answer true. actually to Matt is, yeah, I, I think I think the the lines probably are in need of, or, or not in need, but due for a refresh. Um and it's one of those tricky ones because it, we've left it too late to do it this year. All the merch for 2023 is out there. And if you want to flag this year, you probably then would want to keep the current logo because you wanted, you'd want your merch over the numerous premierships mm. to all line up naturally. Um, so, but it is a, it's a really interesting one. And I'd be fascinated to see, I don't know whether any of our listeners are graphic designers or, um, you know, across the Reddit pages where sometimes people do this, but I'd love to have a look at some alternative logos because I think sometimes having a refresh and, and I think Matt is right. Certainly at the time where you've, you've moved out to a whole new facility and, and whatever else, it's probably a good time to do it. I don't know. what I, 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 re, I think my guess would be this is the stuff you really don't care that much about at all, Mike. Yeah, it's but I don't not know that I don't. No, are. that's probably fair, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, it's just, I'm, I'm just not passionate about logos and jumpers and... Which I maybe should be, but it just doesn't bother me too much. The yeah. only, my only contribution is that I, there's just too many jumpers. Yeah. It just rats sure. me off when there's <laughs> six different jumpers. I don't know how parents do it with kids and families and whatnot. It's just yeah. there's a home strip and a way strip, a clash strip, an indigenous strip. A, there's so many different types of jumpers and you think, man, how, how can you buy them all? I think yeah. home, away, indigenous, that's three for me. I'm probably alienating someone by saying that, but that's – um. Yeah. That's it. I don't, but no, I'm not too fussed with logos. 
It, it's just going to be an interesting one because having been out at Springfield, the current logo is quite incorporated into that design, mm, it actually. Is. So it is. That did, when I was touring the facility, I did think they might have been committing to this for the long term now mm. that they, they're going to stick with what they've got. So, um, I mean, that's I don't even know who at the club you'd ask that to, but we could put that to someone. That's a Swanee right. question, maybe. Probably. Maybe yeah. Andrew Wellington. He's coming in. <laughs> put it to, to Andrew then. Uh, two quick ones from Patreon. Firstly, from David, uh, who's signed up uh, as one of our patrons. He says, my question is this. Was Mitch Robinson honoured publicly before his last game? And if not, do you know if the club has any intention to honour Mitch uh, yeah, early I, in the season I'm gonna at need all? Some, I don't want to fob this off, but I'm yep. going to need to have some time to go back and look at the timeline here. Because yes. I know there's a whole lot of conjecture about public thank yous and mm. Mitch Mitch's announcement and all the rest of it. And I want to get this lined up before I commit to stuff on air. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, not to dodge one. it, but it, it is a little bit, it was a bit tricky. And I know at that time it was finals and mm. Mitch was on the cusp of the team. And then he announced, anyway, it was, it was difficult yeah. to line everything up. <laughs> Certainly Mitch. I mean, I was texting Mitch last week. I told you, Mike, and he's keen to join us on the raw deal. So maybe we can put this stuff to Mitch himself yeah. in a month or so when he's back in Bruce. I think he's still up in Darwin for another few weeks, but when he gets back, we'll, uh, we'll try to get Mitch to jump in here in the, the podcast studios and, and ask him ourselves. Uh, and Paul, I thought this was quite uh, amusing. Mike, Paul posted an article you wrote in 2017 um, where you sort of had to oh, review. <laughs> well, this is actually, you look pretty good in this because the <laughs> idea is um, for this, 2017 and it's basically looking at how far the Lions are of being a contender and you write no finals in eight years and no grand finals in 13 means no current player has won a Lions Guernsey in a decider what do they have to do to get there the building blocks are there but the Lions are still years off they need to recruit more top-end talent and develop what they already have how far off is it with some luck four years was your prediction in 2017. Yeah. I think that was early 2017 as well. Okay. So you were, yeah. you were pretty close Around. to the lines being a, you had a good read on it back then. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know the moment I say I'm reading an old post of yours, does your heart start beating fast? How do you feel about that? Yeah. You're a bit uneasy about it. I mean, obviously <laughs> you can only go with the facts or whatever you think at the time, but mm. yeah, when you drink, um, Dredging up stuff from five or six years ago, you definitely get a bit cringy, cringy <laughs> about what I wrote then. <laughs> well, uh, look, there's some a- pretty generic comments there I've written too. I'd say I would have been uneasy about committing to anything at the start of 2017 the new coaches walked yes. in like it was a whole new regime you're like oh how, how quick can things happen here well and, and, and if also- i write and, and if you write longer than four years yeah you're like oh gee <laughs> <laughs> well we have all said that the the rise happened a lot quicker than anyone expected yeah. so um one of the most thrilling things we've all gone through as lions fans i think uh there was other stuff i wanted to get to someone wanted to talk about jared cameron charlie's younger brother who was just signed to play with the swan districts in the uh, waffle this year um, there's still a lot of murmurings around that there may be a day we see Jared Cameron find his way at the Lions. I feel like that's a rumour that comes up every year. Yeah. Um, I think there'd be a lot of joy if that did happen, but we'll, we'll see how he goes in the waffle for Swan Districts this year. Uh, also, um, Ness, one of our listeners and a good friend of mine, sent a message uh, to us on Twitter about radio coverage of AFL, which is a great and message she from She was Ness. absolutely right. So basically about she was mentioning that radio coverage has gone up about the Lions while the other uh, medias have gone down, and she is right. So I, I should put that. I should yes. put an apology for that. Like that was a mm. just an oversight, to be honest. I just well, had Mike, my, I'm the one who works in radio, so it's probably my oversight. Yeah, but I, I just had my head buried in who I who I see yeah. on a on a weekly basis and who I've seen over a ten year period and how that's changed. And mm. Ness is a hundred percent right. Yes, the radio um, influence has increased significantly in the yeah. last few years. 
particularly like yeah the well SEN launching up here at, right. which is where Nest works people yep. all know Nest yep. from SEN um, that that launching uh, has obviously been a big part of it but obviously the ABC continue to do their thing and and the the FM breakfast shows pretty much all of them have a lion who'll drop in every now and then as a as a regular guest as well so. Um, as a long time now radio person, Mike, the, the continued health of the radio industry has baffled a lot of people. Mm. It's sort of survived where many other medias have been hit. And there's a lot of theories for that, which I'm sure nobody cares at all about, but <laughs> it is a good point um, from Ness there. And uh, we, I think one more thing I will mention, Mike, um, is uh, we did hear, I got, I got a message on Twitter from a great friend of the show, Craig Stasevich, the AFLW coach, uh, just asking whether the podcast's going to cover the, the women as well this year. And the answer to that is obviously uh, very much a yes as that season gets closer. And I did take that message from Stas as an invitation or an offer for him to join us in the studio when he gets back from he'd Switzerland. So Yeah, he'd love it. When does he, I mean, when did he normally, when did he get back last year? I'm putting well, him right on the spot here. Well, it's hard. Well, last year, the, the, the ladies were uh, six weeks into oh, a season. Were, so yes, yes, true. <laughs> so very different this year. Yep, Stas, we will definitely chat about the ladies. Oh, but, 100%. Um, I think there was just a... Um, a few updates to their uh, trade and signing season announced earlier on Monday. So the ball will start rolling for women's footy. It's still a few months away before a before season eight, I think it is, before season eight gets underway. But, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, we're certainly covering it. Have you heard a little bit of speculation? I shouldn't end the podcast on fear like this, but that the Lions might be set to lose one or two of the... The players well, who I have heard that, but love. we don't want to have our first contribution about women's footy players <laughs> they might lose. Sorry, Sorry Stars. Stars. <laughs> Sorry, Stars. I take that. What have I done? <laughs> Stars messages me and wants to talk. For- this is, I mean, this is it. There's not, there's nothing else to talk about but a bit of trade stuff at the moment. But so. yes, the Lions have a lot of high, high-end players, all Australians, and yes. there's only so many pay- players you can pay big dollars to. So That's they're it. going to get offered a lot of money from other clubs, which mm. they kept at bay last year with the likes of Emily Bates, uh, mm. you know, Nat Grider, Orla O'Dwyer, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure players will be targeted again and wouldn't shock me if one or two, you know, decided to take well, a few extra dollars. How I, could you blame them? I think it has been one of the great, and I'm not just saying this because he's listening, but one of the great uh, masterful acts of of keeping a team together from Stars and from Bree Brock. I think they've done such a phenomenal job in recent years yep. of keeping this team together. And uh, I wouldn't put it past them to do it again. They're pretty bloody good at what they do, the, the two of them. So, uh, look, that's we'll get Stars in studio when he's here um, back in Australia. So that's an open invitation, Stars. You let us know when you're back and we'll come and we'll get you in here to talk about all of that. I had a couple of other questions to run by you, Mike, but I can see you checking the phone. You've got to go run, don't you? I've got to go and get this run in. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, before before I run out of daylight. Yes. Well, I'm going to run out of daylight. Yeah, I'm sorry. What have I done? <laughs> We've spoken for too long. That's it okay. Was, it was the bit where I was speaking about the drop-in pitch. I sort of saw red for a bit there and got so angry that I lost track of time. <laughs> I apologize for that. Uh, that is what we've got time for on the podcast today. You can obviously follow Mike Whiting and myself, Dom Faye, on Twitter. Jump on board the Raw Deal on Patreon for further content and uh, more chances to talk footy. We'll be back here next week, same place, same time, to look back at this Sydney game and ahead to the Geelong preseason season match. Uh, Until then, enjoy your footy preseason. We'll see you soon.